This week, we talked about the controversial representative from New York, George Santos, as well as the chaotic race for Kevin McCarthy to become House Speaker. You were listening to Politics Schmolitics, and this was the week of 1-8-2023. Hello everyone, I hope you've been having a nice couple of weeks, and let us begin. Characteristics such as honesty, integrity, and the desire to do what's best for the people they're representing are becoming less common in candidates emerging from the GOP. Nowadays, candidates are willing to do quite literally anything to win a seat, and parties will back quite literally anyone who can win a seat and will essentially just vote with the party on any issue. We've seen conspiracy theorists all the way to reality TV stars attempt to win seats. And one candidate we've talked a lot about on this podcast that, you know, wasn't the usual candidate we'd see was Herschel Walker. Now, Herschel Walker tended to lie a lot, and he didn't have the best track record coming to the race against Raphael Warnock. Not to add, Herschel's public speaking skills often led him to embarrassment from the media. Now, the representative we're going to talk about today be a Democrat incumbent and helped Republicans take back majority in the House. His name is George Santos. George Santos is 34 and he'll be representing New York's 3rd Congressional District. Now, George Santos has been called a pathological liar by many, and it's not just simple fibs we hear from him. Santos has made claims that his grandparents survived the Holocaust and that they'd fled persecution in World War II. However, immigrant records and genealogy records say otherwise. Santos has also claimed both of his parents were at the Twin Towers on the day of 9-11 and that they had both survived, but he's also claimed that 9-11 claimed his mother's life. Immigrant records later revealed that his mother wasn't even in the country during 9-11. Santos told a radio host in an interview, I'm not a criminal, not here, not abroad, in any jurisdiction in the world have I ever committed any crimes. Yet he admitted to stealing a man's checkbook in order to purchase clothing back in 2008. Santos has also embellished his resume, which in this case he completely made up some achievements in his life, such as claiming he got a degree in economics and finance from Barrick University, and he later claimed that he got an MBA from New York University. He'd also told the chairman of Nassau County GOP that he was a star on the Barrick University volleyball team and that they won the league championship. However, Santos never attended Barrick University or NYU, let alone, you know, get any sort of degree or play on any volleyball team. Santos has also claimed he worked for companies such as Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, with both companies having said that there was no record of him ever working for them. Santos once tweeted out complaining that he hasn't received rent on any of his 13 properties. And for starters, he doesn't even own any of these properties. He's not a landlord. It's, it's, and what makes it even more ironic is that George Santos has been evicted multiple times for failing to pay rents. So essentially, he's complaining about issues that he's having with imaginative residents living in his imaginative properties. 
Santos claims to have a charity called Friends of Pets United, which has saved over 2,500 dogs and cats. However, his charity is unregistered anywhere in New York or New Jersey, and the New York Times found that the only apparent piece of evidence of this charity existing is a fundraiser held back in 2017, where he was accused of never paying the group that held that event. Santos has been accused of misleading donors, and one example out of the many are angry donors who had donated to Santos thinking he was a Jew, but he later clarified that he was only Jew-ish after finding out about his apparent Jewish heritage. It was also reported that Santos had paid a fundraiser $100,000, and this fundraiser had acted as if he was a McCarthy aide in order to get donations for Santos. Santos himself donated $700,000 to his campaign, which is quite a surprising amount considering just two years ago he was having an annual income of around $55,000. You know, a lot happened to have changed in those two years for him. Now, a lot of this information about Santos's past came out after he was elected when the New York Times released an article detailing Santos's lies and a lot about his past that he hadn't told the public and ever since then calls for him to step down they just haven't stopped rolling in fellow new york representatives and others in congress are calling for him to step down as well as local gop committees that had endorsed him and santos he's ignored calls for him to step down by saying that 142,000 people had elected him and he'll only step down in two years if those 142,000 choose not to vote for him in the mid terms. However, the argument arising is that these 142,000 didn't vote for Santos. They voted for a completely different person. It's true, Santos, he'd made up a completely different identity. He'd acted as, you know, a well-educated man who'd run a successful charity and had helped major companies on Wall Streets. That's the person who they voted for. They didn't vote for a man who'd made up stories about his mother's passing away and he used that in order for him to gain political traction. And they most certainly did not vote for a man who stole money and, been, and had been evicted multiple times. Now, George Santos now earns over $700,000 annually, and he seems like a decently successful man. If Santos had thought twice before speaking, especially on the internet, which is a place where his words will always stay there almost permanently, how much of a different place would we see him in now? Could he have successfully ran and been elected to Congress? Could we not be at a point where a person could sit down and think about him and say, this man lies so much? Is his name even George Santos? In all of this, the GOP, they really need to speak up now. Sure, they have a narrow majority in the House, but that doesn't mean they can't abandon all morality and let a man who misled thousands out of a proper representative, their hard-earned money, and overall their trust, can't just let him stay in Congress. Top GOP leaders can't stay quiet about this any longer. People like Santos are the reasons many fear politicians, whether politicians are good and bad. And, I mean, after learning all of this about Santos, was Walker really even that bad? Kevin McCarthy, for the last four years, has been House Minority Leader and one of the most prominent Republicans in the party overall. In the last couple of years, McCarthy has mainly played his cards right, not attracting criticism from his fellow Republicans. And as the Republicans managed to retake the majority in the House, it seemed inevitable McCarthy would become the next House Speaker. However, it wasn't nearly that simple. For the first time in a whole century, a House Speaker wasn't elected 
on the first ballot. In order to become House Speaker, McCarthy needed 218 votes, meaning that if five people voted against him, that would be enough to trigger another vote. However, on the first day, 19 voted against McCarthy. By the end of the first day, that number increased to 20. Now, on the final vote of the day, all 20 McCarthy opposers voted for Jim Jordan, who himself had actually endorsed McCarthy's speakership bid and was himself voting for McCarthy. What the representatives seek from opposing McCarthy is complicated. There's some really one reason we can point to as a lot of negotiations were done behind closed doors. Um, the little information that we do know from what happened behind closed doors is that certain representative wanted certain positions and wanted to be appointed to certain committees. We also know that the opposers wanted McCarthy to have less power overall, make it so that government spending is lowered. While Republicans were having a fiasco, Democrats throughout the three votes and usually just throughout the rest of the four days remained united behind Hakeem Jeffries. And Hakeem Jeffries is their nomination for the House Speaker. And every single Democrat voted for him. Now, this is the first time in around two decades that we didn't see Nancy Pelosi as the Democrats nominee for Speaker. And although she still serves in Congress, she didn't pursue the speakership role saying, for me, the House has come for a new generation to lead the Democratic Congress that I so deeply respect. Continuing on throughout days two and three, McCarthy gave in to opposers' demands and promised to lower the needed amount of votes to hold a vote to oust the House Speaker to only one, as well as increase the needed amount of votes to three-fifths if the House wanted to increase tax rates, as well as guaranteeing a floor vote being held for a border security bill. Many weren't happy at all with McCarthy's opposers calling on McCarthy to ban them from committee assignments, and McCarthy didn't do that. He just pretty much gave in to their demands, and it seems, you know, McCarthy was willing to do what it took as long as it gave him his long-awaited position of House Speaker. On the fourth and final day, McCarthy managed to convince 15 of his opposers, and knowing the final votes would be closed, he called back two representatives, one who had flown back to Texas to be with his wife after she was hospitalized when her son had been prematurely born. On the 14th ballot, it seemed McCarthy would finally become the House Speaker, but Matt Gates he had the final vote, and McCarthy needed one more vote. However, Gates voted present, not voting with or against McCarthy, but, you know, he didn't win that vote. It caused a confrontation between the two. However, finally, on the 15th ballot, McCarthy became House Speaker. The question in hand is, are the sacrifices McCarthy made worth it? I mean, the only one required vote to trigger a vote to oust the Speaker could potentially bring on headaches for McCarthy. And he's now shown, you know, he's not exactly the toughest leader out there. And folks, that was pretty much it for this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to join our mailing list. All you need to do is send an email to politicsmolitics2020 at gmail.com. That email is located on our website as well as on the podcast description. Also, feel free to rate us on Apple Podcasts, a good way to give me feedback. And just overall, feel free to spread the word about this podcast with friends, family, pretty much anyone. You were listening to Politics Schmolitics, and this was the week of one... 8 2023 20,